We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. I kind of uh, just got a chuckle when I actually looked at the site last night to pull up the article and there's it says Skylar Redpath's got blah 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 and then there's uh, Messi and Ronaldo on other other side of me. <laughs> Finally made it. This is the Fantasy Soccer Podcast from Rotowire.com, your premier source for fantasy sports. For player news, projections, DFS lineup optimizers, and more, please visit Rotowire.com/soccer. And now here are Andrew Laird, Skylar Redpath, and JD Basso. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. My name is Andrew Laird. We're talking Major League Soccer tonight, as always, with JD Bazo and Skylar Redpath. Skylar, I started last week's podcast with a ridiculous question of asking if Will Bruin, I actually believe I misspoke and said the greatest player in MLS history. I really meant this year. However, is the answer actually CJ Sapong? <laughs> it's a toss up between him and Bruin now. <laughs> And Latou's making a comeback, too, even though he missed that PK. He, he scored that super sub-like goal. Like we yeah, and he also about. missed a sitter from, like, the top of the six-yard box. <laughs> In true Latou fashion. I have never seen a player run towards a ball so quickly before that somebody else drew a penalty for. 
Like the <laughs> Sapong sitting on two goals had already had a penalty taken away from him. He finally gets another opportunity for a hat trick, and Latou grabs it faster than you would have ever seen anybody grab anything before. I felt well, he so better. Bad. He better watch out for when Tranquilo Barnetta comes back because he's also a set piece hog <laughs> that doesn't deserve to be taking all of them. So that's going to be quite a quite quite a good chemistry there in mm. Philadelphia. But we do have a listener, our, our friend Robert here, who's a huge CJ Sapong fan, and I guess. Uh, my question is there because there was a time last year where Sapong was pretty high in our weekly rankings. You know, he had been on a pretty good run. Uh, is it more the players around him that kind of reduce his fantasy value? Or do you guys just not think he's really in that quality? Tier? I don't want to put him up in the, you know, Javinko, David Villa, Kamara, uh, you know, Keen, BWPI. The list goes on and on. But like where... Where is Sapong? You know, who are the the other forwards that are in his tier? I mean, I think Sapong's definitely he has the potential to be in the second tier mm-hmm. of forwards. I think he's that good, but I the Philadelphia just has never been a spot since I can recall following MLS to be like a great place for a, a forward to be scoring a ton of goals. So until they prove it to me, I can't really um get a, on board with Robert here of uh Sapong is the greatest in the world, <laughs> but I was the one who started to drive the bandwagon early last season. Yeah, so I I do like him. It's just uh, I I really dislike the union, and but they, they're looking a little frisky this year, so we'll see. Quite frisky, I'd say. Yeah, um, looking better for sure. I think uh, the, the the first few weeks for me, I was kind of a wait and see to see how the union would play out before I really got on board with CJ again, but. Um, think i mentioned last week it felt like it was a good spot for him and that's kind of how i play it with with sapong and even guys like jossie zardes uh kennedy Igbonanike. like i kind of lumped those forwards all together um pretty much situational based on when i might roll them out or or you know try to upgrade to a better forward maybe a little bit more reliable forward but yeah quality upside he he proved it over the weekend and um not the uh not presidential candidate like like Giovinco Robert, but he's <laughs> doing well. So hopefully he'll keep it up. Do you put him in the class? Or Dom Dwyer is kind of the other one I was thinking of just from this past. Not that he scored this week, but he scored the week before. Um, it, do you put him in that uh, the bottom of that upper tier, or is he in there with Sapong? Uh, it. I mean, it really depends how big you want to make the the top tier. Yeah. For me, it's like two people, but. Uh... Yeah, I guess Dwyer probably. I think Dwyer is better than Sapong marginally, okay. but I, I mean Sapong is kind of for me. He's like a Kyle Laren in terms of his athleticism, kind of his hold up ability. He makes solid runs, but the finishing just is is a whole class level below Kyle Laren. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Skyler, you feel the same way? Yeah, I think so. I think Dwyer for me is kind of similar in a sense to the role that that Sapong plays and that they're both going to be relied on for the majority of their team's goals this season. I mean, uh seemed like last season Dwyer had Nemeth to help out a little bit. Um, Sapong, I guess, I mean, I don't know who he had to help out. Uh, Rissigueta seemed like he was injured most of the season. But both of those guys are in a position where they're going to be called on to score goals and 
you know, both of them have double digit upside for sure. Just it's kind of a matter of uh, what kind of service they get, the matchup, all those types of things are going to come into play for fantasy purposes for me. Mm-hmm. And JD, I assume Javinko and Kamara are the top tier that you said was too deep. Uh, yes. I mean, Keane and David Villa right now, I guess, would have an argument to make it a little bit bigger, but uh, I don't know. Keane's kind of, I have to see that he still has it. Yep. Uh, David Villa, maybe a, just a hair below. And I, for what it's worth, Kamara's not playing all that well this year, but I still see a lot of glimpses of, you know, exactly who he was last year. So I'm not really that worried about Kai Kamara yet. And what about BWP? I think BWP is near the top of the the second tier. I think he's he's very good, but he's not a guy that can kind of carry the whole team anymore. Yep. He needs he needs a lot of help around him, but he's an excellent player just to watch. He's so much fun in just seeing all the smart runs he makes, all the great um, just ability to hold up the ball and dish it off to to kind of Sasha Kleshin or his teammates making runs from the wing. He's kind of a just a very smart forward. But he's not the pure goal scorer that he was when he tied the league record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's on the brink. He's on the brink of a big game. He missed a, a sitter. If you guys watched that Red Bulls, uh, so the Dynamo, Dynamo game. Yep. Um, he had a sitter that he point blank um, right at the keeper. I just, I, he's so hard yeah. to target in fantasy when he's missing gimmies like that. But you can just tell, like JD said, he's he's active still. He's making runs he's he's actually dishing the ball off so he's on the brink of a a one goal one assist two goal game and i'm probably not gonna target him in fantasy but it's gonna be the guy that does and and hits him on one of those weekends that ends up winning some of the big one some of the big gpps here yeah bwp is kind of the ideal forward for like the jesse marsh's system in new york he does all the little things he does everything you want um, but finishing wise, he's never been a guy that like has spectacular finishes. His best talent is just putting it on net. Yeah, like he gets his body in great positions to get the shot off, and he just puts them on net. And that's usually what it takes to score goals. I mean, that's how Wando. I was made just a about living. to say Wando. Yeah, it's not like his his are always side netting or top corner. He just gets them on net. Yeah, there's a so. tremendous value in knowing the right place at the right time. And I think that's yeah. that's gravely underrated by a lot of people. Um, I'm going to move on a little bit. We're going to talk uh, about this weekend's matches, but um, we'll kind of segue in by using Skyler's article that's now up on Rotowire about um, round four's double game week. There are a number throughout the season. This is the first one, which comes kind of at an interesting time since we have this international break or international play they don't obviously not a break but uh so we have four games this weekend not all the teams playing this weekend have a double game week which always makes makes that fun but we've got dc united fc dallas uh the revolution and the whitecaps all playing twice in round four and you guys are uh, not only the daily experts but also the season-long ones so you obviously have a great handle on these double game weeks. Uh, JD, when you have these types of situations, how many players do you try to get that will be playing twice in that round? 
well, in particular for this week, I'm trying to get a lot mm-hmm. because we knew in week one that you were looking ahead to kind of what's the first double game week, the first international break, etc. And so I kind of built my team when there was like a tiebreaker between two guys I wanted. I definitely favored the the players that I saw had a double game week upcoming. Um, sometimes that backfires with a guy like Tim Parker, who I, I went out and got, but he's going to miss the first game. Yep. Jess, Jesse Gonzalez is the same way. But, yeah, I think you you can't get too cute because some people will say, oh, the double game week's going to be a bust. And then or they're all on board at the beginning of the year, and then one double game week goes bad. None of the players really do that much. And then the rest of the year, they're skeptical of them. <laughs> but, I mean, over the long run, if you try to maximize your double game week players, your players are just playing more games than your opponents. So you're bound to get more points. Yep. It's just it's simple math. So I, I just advise not to get too cute. If you can fit them in, fit them in. But at the same time, don't be going taking like a minus eight by doing two extra transfers um, just because you feel like you have to. Um just kind of weigh what you think they're going to get in a single match and subtract four, see if it makes sense. That's where I was going to go with Skyler of, of whether it's worth taking those hits. I mean, with this one, it, they get a little more complicated as the season goes on. I think we were talking uh, earlier today, Skyler, because like Portland has a double game week in round six and eight, but they're off in seven. I think it's Portland if it's not... Um, I think you're right. Yeah, so it's like you can't go too heavy because you're going to get as a donut in that middle week, but do you, is, is minus four as far as you're willing to go in order to maximize your double game week players, Skylar? Not for me. And I, I might roll the dice a little bit more than some of the regulars out there that, that might play it a little bit more safe. I've, I've gone as far as like a minus 12. Wow. I might've even gone minus 16 on some weeks, but that's definitely not advised. Um, I think I mentioned in the article, it's pretty situational. And by situational, I'm talking about, you know, maybe two guys that got injured the week before that you were counting on to play. Um, Maybe you have basically like three voids in your lineup to fill and you've only got two free transfers. um, And you need to make a little bit of extra money just to get that one stud like a Via or, or Kamara who has a, you know, dream double game week. That's where I might take a minus eight is, you know, if I have a couple of players that are going to be inactive that just, like JD said, you can't really plan for sometimes that you are trying to plan weeks in advance, but then the week before they're axed or they get hurt or whatever, whatever uh, rules them out, then you're going to have to make a, a change. So if you do the math and say, okay, this guy's either going to get me zero uh, or I can take a minus four and hope that this guy gets me at least four, or it could be you know eight or twelve. Then you're taking a risk. But uh, a lot of the times, if you're really targeting the players like on a DGW, especially, then you're at least going to get four points, and you got a good chance at getting double that. So I think it's worth the the gamble, just depending on uh, what kind what situation your lineup's in at the state of the the dgw mm-hmm. and jd how much do you put into doubling your defenders i think doubling your defenders is very important because they're if you get ones that are consistent uh collectors of bonus points uh then you're definitely i mean defender points are about as consistent as they come 
Because you know, like Laurent Simon is going to collect how many bonus points a game? Four? I don't. I mean, many. So if if you have a guy that's consistently scoring three to four points more than uh, than most of your other low end defenders, and you get to double his his score that week, and he plays two games, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. But at the same time, that the fact that defenders are kind of lower scoring by nature makes them not really worth taking say a minus eight four or something it it really all depends and i think the one key thing is if i'm taking a a lot of times i'll take a minus four when kind of the salary cap's involved and i need the extra move to kind of downgrade one guy and really upgrade a forward or something but if i'm taking a minus eight some of those players better be huge upgrades moving forward not just for the one double game week I think that's when how you really have to weigh is a minus four for an extra transfer worth it. It's not only are they worth it for that double game week, but are they a better upgrade moving forward? Yeah, that's a that's a great point because I feel like a lot of people would just make the moves for this week and kind of figure out next week, next week, and that's when you end up with either guys who aren't playing or right just guys and, who aren't that good, but you just happen to roll with them because they're playing twice. Yeah, and yep. the problem with this kind of that kind of strategy is that other people are having the same players you have by better planning, and they're not taking those minuses. So, I mean, if you just keep eating minuses to keep up with everybody else's roster, that's probably not the best strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, it leads into uh, one of another one of the listeners' questions, Luis Pacheco asked earlier on Twitter, he said, is it worth it to play the wild card this week? Um, I need a goalie and thinking on taking minus four, minus eight, I would advise against using your wild card. There's going to be many more situations on down the road where you'll wish that you had that in your back pocket. This week, like Andrew was saying earlier, it's kind of a different double game week than most because it's spread out. It's going to be the first leg of games this weekend and then the second leg the following weekend where usually it's like a midweek game and then the next batch of games is the following weekend just a few days later so these guys going off for international duty it's very possible that some play and you know a lot of times uh when you're using your wild card then you want to make sure you're you're uh using it to where basically you're you've got that upper hand on everybody else because they're not going to have guys that uh, have two guys playing or even have one guy playing. But I think in this case, a lot of those international guys are going to actually be back for that second leg. So just don't think it's worth it this round. And if you're needing, if you're needing a goalie and you've got Jesse Gonzalez, then I might even just hang on to Jesse and, and let him play one game instead of taking a minus four or minus eight. I'm not sure, sure who your keeper is, but I know a lot of people are running into that this week. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, who does... Jesse Gonzalez, they play. Oh, they play Columbus the second match. Yeah. So it's not like he has a, a great matchup when he comes back, but I think FC Dallas is good enough. I would probably just stick with with Gonzalez instead of taking a minus. Definitely not a minus eight. A minus four maybe, but the other thing to be said is Vancouver does have good matchups. If you want to go grab Usted. Yeah, I've They're, had Usted from the beginning because of your both your preseason rankings. Um, <laughs> it's worked out nicely. <laughs> I'm hoping for some bounce backs over this double game week. But, yeah, the um, 
you link to there's a there's always kind of a running list on mlssoccer.com of the guys who are called up but it's definitely important to note that like just because a guy was called up doesn't mean he's going to miss any matches like pretty much all of the teams who are not on the double game weeks will have their players back um so if except they don't for get the hurt. right right of course except for the new york city fc guys cuz they're actually off in round or they don't have the second match of the uh of the double game week they they're off uh not this weekend but the following weekend so but i think everybody else will, will basically get their guys back as long as right just like gd says as long as they come back fit so uh yeah i reckon Oh, sorry, Can I make one more one more good point about this weekend's games? That's not so much for fantasy, but it's interesting from a MLS perspective. The MLS teams get to pick if they want to play during international breaks. So these six teams that you see here uh, playing in this slate of games this weekend, they all chose to play. Huh, I didn't know um, that. Which, for me, that's really interesting from an FC Dallas perspective <laughs> because they're missing, I think, four or five defenders, their goalie, um... But from a team like, say, out of DC's perspective, I don't think they're missing anybody except Steve Birnbaum. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, New York City FC is missing uh, some guys. So is New England. Houston's missing. Uh, or maybe they're not. They have injured guys. I don't know if they're missing too many for international duty. So, But, yeah, just kind of a something I found interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think that uh, Houston, like I, I assume Barnes would have been gone had he not been hurt yeah that's correct um yeah i think garcia is gone and somebody else oh yeah boniac garcia is gone if it were up to you guys will bruin would be gone but (laughs) that's the that's the only that's the only smart decision cleansman's made uh (laughs) uh all right all right before we go down that road let's uh jump into the games this weekend so obviously with these three matches um and some players missing we're gonna have some interesting uh, opportunities for players that we don't always see um, or maybe some we've never even heard of that are going to end up uh, starting. The first match is New York City against uh, the Rebs, who have been a lot worse than I had expected. Um, Skyler and I were talking um, off the pod about how Shuttlesworth, basically the two penalty saves he had against Philly, saved his fantasy day um, because giving up three goals against Philly tends not to give you that many fantasy points, but um, I think he ended up with 10 points on DraftKings because of those saves and, and a few others, which helped. But um, Lee Wynn is not going to be around. Um, Skyler wrote uh, in his article that he thought uh, D- Diego Fagundes was the right call to uh, to replace him. Uh, J.D., do you have anyone other than... Um, Fagundes that you think would be worth targeting in the uh, New England attack against a usually porous New York City FC defense? Um, well, let me first comment on Fagundes. I thought he was pretty bad last week. Um, so I I do have him on my FMLS team just because he's playing two games. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if I'm necessarily... He's not a lock in my daily fantasy lineup, so let's put it that way. You'd, you'd think he would be. You kind of assume he's going to step into... Lee wins shoes, but not necessarily for me. Um, I'm curious to see who New England starts at forward because I think they're going to have a pretty good shot to score a goal. I'm not sure if Charlie Davies is going to come back, but I'm hoping that Juan Agadello finally gets a start. Um, that New England kind of has nothing to lose by throwing him out there. He's 
you know, he's still a good young prospect, and it's not like they, they've been doing that great, so maybe they could use a little bit of juice, get a new guy on the field. Um, and then I think Chris Tierney is the obvious other guy. Um, yeah. I, I think he has potential to really, really play well on the wing there against NYCFC. He loves to get upfield. He gets caught upfield a lot, but that's okay for fantasy purposes. Um, and this small field might suit New England's game, actually. Like, if any other team could permanently play on a small field, it New England might be one of the ones that would benefit the most. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and New York City seems to have not necessarily everybody. Kiri Shelton's out. Uh, mix. Mix. And uh, who was the other one? Matarita, excuse me. So, I mean, those are three guys that, I mean, Shelton not so much, but... Um, that certainly got some fantasy uh, attention. Skyler, are you all in on Poku if he starts? If he starts, yeah. I don't know if I'm all in, but he's probably in a lineup or two. Uh, I mean, it's just so hard to say. Has he even been on the bench this season for I think he was on the, Yeah, I think he was on the bench last weekend. That was his first, okay. but he definitely okay. hasn't played yet. So, yeah, if he was on the bench and those guys are missing, then it's very possible that he's in the starting lineup by default. So 3,800, um, man, I, I think I remember last season when he got his first start of the season and I did plug him into pretty much every lineup I had and he went off and uh, it was a nice weekend. So uh, he has that kind of ability I just I don't know if I'm all in on him just yet, just not knowing what he can do. But who knows? Maybe he comes out ticked off that he hasn't seen the field yet and just goes ape out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pirlo's kind of an intriguing play this week, but my the one thing with him is who is getting on the end of his set pieces? Like for if he takes a corner kick, who's the aerial threat? Poku. On well, uh, <laughs> yeah, you have to assume he plays, Poku. but. But otherwise, they have, like, no guy that really scares me on set pieces. They're a rather small team. Right, like, and they're not... non-athletic, too. <laughs> I mean, in, for anyone that's big, I mean. Yeah, yep, other than Poku. Right. So, yeah, that should be curious. I'm also wondering if Patrick Mullins is going to get a start. Um, maybe they'll push Via to the wing. Maybe they'll kind of sit Mullins right behind Via. Uh, I'm not sure, but he's a great price, and he's midfield eligible, even though he's kind of more of a forward. Hmm. I didn't realize he was uh, a midfield. Yeah, P- uh, Pirlo had 11 crosses last week. I mean, he's on every corner. So Yeah, I'm pretty sure most of those were probably corners. Yeah. Um, do you kind of go back to the well with um, Tony Taylor? I mean, he's a $3,300 midfielder that's been starting. You could, Maybe if yeah. If you need the salary, yeah. If you need to free up the the funds, then uh, I think New England's a team to target. Anytime that, at least in the early going, a team to target um, attacking players against because they they just they look leaky, and I mean they just gave up three goals to Philly, which seems like we always pick on Philly, but again they're going to New York or they're playing at New York City. I just, yeah, I think New York's options are, they look pretty good this week. So it's just, I don't know who it's going to be, but if Taylor's in the mix and at his price, he's worth a look. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and Tony Taylor's going against whoever fills in for Javon Watson, who's on a red card. Yeah. So depending on what you think of whoever steps in, I guess there's it's either Darius Barnes or London Woodbury, yeah. most likely. But I guess it could also be the rookie, Jordan McCrary, who they like a lot. Um, if it's Barnes or McCrary, then I kind of think that it's not much different than if it was Javon Watson. But if it's Woodbury... I like Tony Taylor even better because I don't think Woodbury's that good defensively. Yeah, Watson is also on international duty, so I don't even know if he can play in the next round. Like, can, I, I assume he can't serve his suspension while he's I on international. Oh, can he? Oh, okay. I I don't want to say for certain, but I'm pretty sure that because you can't really assume. I guess if they were to winter, I don't know. I don't know how it works to be honest. Yeah. It feels wrong to be able to do it while you're. Uh, yeah, for some reason I don't think you can, but maybe I'm, I'm wrong on that one. I don't know. Okay. I don't know for sure either. But it, it seems like I've seen it before to where, if you're called into international duty, you still have to sit out the next. Yeah, you guys have. Team game. You've persuaded me now. I kind of agree <laughs> with you. Um. Well, let's switch over to a team that New England shut out in uh, DC United, who will be playing against a Dallas squad that. We have no idea who's going to start in the back other than Matt Hedges. Um, we kind of we can assume that Hollingshead will get a run. Zach Lloyd will probably get in there. The fourth one is anyone's guess. Does that uh, make you guys like DC United anymore? With uh, if a Spindola starts or Nyarko or Nagel or do these guys do anything for you? I'm gonna be honest. Not really. <laughs> Um, yeah, originally this, I'd say not really either until we saw what Houston did a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. I mean, Hollingshead has been awesome this year. Hedges is probably one of the best defenders in MLS. He should be with the national team, but I'll, yeah, that's something I complain about all the time. And Zach Lloyd, I mean, he's Matt Hedges' best center back partner. I don't know why they've been trying to stick uh, other guys in there. Zach Lloyd's definitely like a solid foundation that Hedges gets to play with. So the fact that those three were on a team last year that could have won MLS Cup, and then they're just going to add probably Aaron Gian or somebody to the mix. I'm not that concerned. Chris Seitz uh, is a solid goalkeeper, and um, I think it's much more concerning that D.C. United just look terrible. <laughs> D.C. United are one of the most disjointed, boring teams in the entire league. Maybe over the past several years. Yep, totally agree. I'd, I've been down on them since early in the season, even preseason, watching them in, in the CONCACAF Champions League. They just haven't looked good at all. They can't. They don't click. Their attack just looks stagnant. I mean, I think a spindle, if he's healthy and he, if he's able to go a full 90, then he might help that some. But still, just, there seems to be some pieces missing there. And it doesn't seem like a team that could put up five goals like Houston did. Um, maybe well, they don't have Will wrong. Bruin. They don't have Will Bruin. They don't have Andrew Wenger. Um, <laughs> their, so. their, their wing play is the one good thing about their team so far this year. I mean, yeah. Chris, Chris Rolf and Niarko have both been pretty good. Um, they have several other options as well. And I think the – I guess the one – saving grace for DC United fans is that Espindola and Luciano Acosta have like not gotten to play together yet. Yeah. Also, Marcus Halstey hasn't been able to play much this year. He's out of shape. Right. And I think Halstey and Sarvas make a good 
kind of center midfield pairing. Maybe not exciting offensively, but very solid um, just in terms of being workhorses. The wing plays good. So if Spindle and Acosta can kind of figure out how to unlock defenses centrally, which I'm not convinced that that's really their their best skill set, then uh, maybe eventually DC United will get it together. But I think they need a target forward. I mean, a spindle is old, not really as athletic as uh, he needs to be, and Acosta is just about five foot tall. So they they have no strong presences in the attacking third. Mm-hmm. And how how are you going to score when you have a team like that? Do you see? Then let Connor Doyle go. <laughs> I actually agree. <laughs> Do you see Taylor Kemp being kind of a sneaky play because he's so expensive and a matchup that nobody thinks they're going to win? Or is he not Is he not going to have that 10 cross upside? He's a good play. Yeah, I like him this week. They're at yeah. home, so he's going to be kind of pushing the, pushing the attack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's on corners too, so that's even more uh, reason to take him. It just... Anytime a defender's on corners or set pieces, then that's fantasy gold right there. So even if they, even if they're coming in uh, with not super great performances, which Kemp's actually looked good lately, then even if they're on set pieces, you're still going to target them in your lineups just because of the upside that 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 the set piece responsibility brings with them. So, are, I mean, are I, we sh- are we sure that a spindle is not going to be back on them? Now that he's healthy, I know he uh, loves he loves yeah, not, to take corners. Yeah, I'm not completely sure that he will be. Um, it's yeah, it's up in the air, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kemp's still on some, regardless. Right. Um, but also too on the uh, goalkeeper side, you mentioned sights, and another listener of the show, Trevor Jones, out on Twitter, reached out earlier and asked on cash games who's the better goal, uh, better to target goalkeeper with the best chance of win, or go with the best cheap value. And I know JD, you've got looks like you've got sites ranked number one here, so that's obviously your uh, your answer right there, isn't it? <laughs> well, I also think sites might have the best chance at a win. Okay, best of both worlds there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an ideal weekend. Um, that question's tough because it, it's kind of different for every every slate or every lineup I kind of approach. Sometimes if I if I love the rest of my lineup, then I'm going to go for a top keeper who I think can get the win in the clean sheet. But other times, I mean, you see the cheap guys all the time. Even if they're expected to get hosed, they just rack up the saves. Andre like, Blake. On, yeah, Andre Blake is like the prime example. So his matchup could be terrible but if he is seven or eight saves, I mean, you're playing with fire when you hope that he has that many shots on target to save. Because <laughs> a lot could go in. But, um, yeah, I don't have a good answer for him there. But this week, you do get the best of both worlds with sights. Or uh, I think David Usted's the kind of the other great alternative. I think the difficulty with paying so much for the top, uh, for the best chance at the win is that just weird things can happen to ruin a clean sheet. And if you're paying, you know, 42, 4,500 bucks for basically a five point win and giving up a goal like that, you're not getting enough value there. Like, even if it's just the, I guess I've just been burned way too many times of paying up and then having my goalkeeper make no saves, make, you know, give up one goal on a penalty and, but they get the win and it's like, you're only getting, you know, four points for that or whatever it is. So, um, I'm on the Andre Blake 
uh, train to just kind of get as much value <laughs> as I can from saves at this point. MLS is too weird. Like everybody rightfully went heavy on Jesse Gonzalez in that Houston match. And he gave, you know, he ended up with a negative score and Joe Willis comes out with a clean sheet win. Like that's, yeah, that rub it happen. in. <laughs> but no, it's... you're right. I think it definitely also, I mean, it's, are you playing a tournament or cash game? Um, I think tournament, it's, it rarely makes sense to take the best keeper because he's not going to rack up that many saves. Right. Um, if the team's supposed to outmatch the other their opponent by that much, and there's going to be a goalie out there that's getting a ton of saves and probably a clean sheet that's cheap. So, yeah, I, I tend to kind of just pick a couple of the cheap goalies I like and swap them in and out of basically the same lineup otherwise and just hope that one strikes gold. Yeah, they're so heavily priced based on home road split too. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous as well. I mean, I understand why, but if you're on the road, you're going to get more shots against you, which gives you a better chance at saves. So that's why I don't really shy away from the road keepers that much. And yeah, sometimes I get burnt, but sometimes they put up a, a ton of good points. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so obviously the Dallas, all of the Dallas attackers are around, um, which is convenient because... It's weird. They're very good for MLS, but apparently not good enough for their international team. So we still have Mauro Diaz and Castillo. Rudy's still here. Um, can either of you sell me on Michael Barrios? I had him to start my FMLS team. Uh, eventually dropped him. He hasn't really done anything yet, but he's got two games this week. Um, is there a reason I can... to, that I you should be you know optimistic about him? Yeah, because with Hollingshead as the right back, I think he looked a lot better this past week. Okay. Versus uh, whoever they had starting there prior, I didn't think they had very good chemistry with Barrios, and now I think Hollingshead kind of he's a workhorse. He gets up and down the field, but he's he takes care of the defensive responsibilities first, so that could help free Barrios a little bit. Um, but Barrios kind of has the problem that Fabian Castillo did a couple years ago where he just went silent for large portions of the game. Castillo has learned how to kind of impose himself on almost every moment of the match, and Barrios is still kind of working up to that, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Barrios is worth targeting this weekend on a three-game slate. He's listed as a forward, so um, if you're trying to get David Villa in there, he's only 48, or Barrios is only 4,800, so um, you're probably going to want to pair via with somebody relatively cheap and there's some pretty decent options with like kind of hovering around that same price as Barrios Um, but Barrios actually has been producing without goals or assists lately he's had eight points in each of his last two games with no goals no assists so kind of like JD was referring to he's picking up points through tackles one drawing fouls um, crossing and it just seems like you know, for a guy that's he's been getting ninety minutes as well lately. So especially with their with Dallas having absences, he's gonna get another ninety minutes. And I think that's about the floor you can expect when you're paying for him is eight, which isn't bad. But if he scores a goal or adds an assist to that, then um definitely pays off his salary and more. So I like Barrios this week. I think he's an interesting pivot to Arudi because everybody is gonna have Maxi Arudi in Daily Fantasy and FMLS. So while I probably will have more Arudi than Barrios, I mean, it 
if Barrios scores, I think very few people will own him. I think that's a great point because they're really not um, price wise that. I mean, three hundred bucks is not that much. I mean, if you're trying right, to get... so why not take the forward right. that you know has all the hype? He's up top. It just makes a ton of sense, which kind of means Barrios is going to be way under owned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I like that. Uh, then. Final game is Vancouver and Houston. Vancouver's in a bit of a bind here because both of their center backs are on international duty. Um, but they're kind of like Dallas. They have their, their attackers all in. And Houston is missing potentially missing Maidana and Barnes. Um, we were talking before we started taping that we're, you know, we just haven't seen any news about whether they're coming back. But... Um, They've got some other guys missing as well for international duty. Nothing crazy. Will Bruin's still around. Um, how do you guys, JD? How do you see this game playing out with with kind of a number of key defensive pieces missing? Uh, I feel pretty strongly about this game because I, I'm still not buying into Houston at all. Um, sure, they've scored 11 goals through three weeks, mm-hmm. but guess what? They were one, one, and one. <laughs> I mean, how do you score 11 goals over a three-game stretch and you never score less than three in any of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And you only go 1-1-1. One, one, and one. <laughs> Also, last week against the Red Bulls, they looked pretty bad towards the end of that game. Their first two goals that they scored were basically because of defensive errors. Yep. The first two Red Bulls goals were also because of defensive yeah, errors. Yeah, that was a sloppy game. <laughs> yeah, the first four goals entirely were all just pretty bad. Um, although Grella's was like just an awesome hustle effort and then great celebration. But anyway, um, I, I don't think Houston has too much of a chance, even though Vancouver's missing key defensive pieces. Uh, they have Pomadou Cock and Step In, who was pretty good last year, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, they really like this young kid, Cole Sealer or Siler. Um, I think he's kind of a big guy that was pushing Tim Parker for, for the starting job just a little bit in camp. So... I'm not that concerned about their defense. They have Matias Labah, one of the better defensive midfielders in the league, right in front of them. And um, especially if Houston's missing their attacking talent, um, I think Vancouver takes care of business, maybe two or three to one. They might even shut them out. Oh, wow. Pedro Morales seems absurdly underpriced on DraftKings, 5400 bucks. I mean, well, it all depends if he gets a penalty shot or not, a penalty <laughs> kick. That's fair. Um, Skyler, do you see this match going the same way? Yeah, I think so. I think Vancouver gets the win at home. Uh, they came out with a disappointing home result in the season opener, and I think they do get the job done. Just, I don't know. It it, it worries me a little bit with their all their defensive players missing, but I feel like they do. Uh, Take care of business. I like Pedro Morales, but I also like uh, Teixeira from Vancouver because Bolaños is going to be missing. So yeah. if if Teixeira is in, then he should be back on set pieces. So um, He's actually more expensive than Morales, which I thought yeah, was pretty surprising. Yeah, he's more expensive than Morales, but he's got that, you know, that crossing floor that he provides, which seems like Morales lately has... His uh, points have been coming almost strictly from the penalty kicks that he's been getting, which is just bizarre. I think he's had three PKs already this yep. season. So definitely not going to be something that keeps up. But um, Morales is a, a 
solid player as it is. So I he's think an, he's another guy that could end up taking the the free kicks instead of Takara. I think it's kind of a toss up there as well. Yeah, definitely. And then on on the Houston side, I hope we see Madonna back. But um, I did see a report on Twitter. I think it was uh, one of their the Dynamo beat writers yesterday said that uh, Madonna was still not at training. And that uh, Barnes was training, but he was wearing a green jersey, so that basically meant like no contact and no mm-hmm. shooting. So it sounds like both those guys are going to miss out. He went on to say that he doubts that either plays on Saturday for what that's worth. So I might even look at uh, – there's a guy – let's see. He hasn't been on my radar until last weekend. Lionel Miranda has taken their set pieces. I think he took a handful of corner kicks for the Dynamo. He's 3,500 on DraftKings. So with Boniette Garcia missing out and if Maidana's out, then um, definitely consider Miranda for 3500 I thought Miranda looked solid, and so did Alex for Houston. Yep. Um, but I think the guy to watch if Maidana is out is Mauro Minotas. I think he might step into that number 10 role where he's not really best suited, but he's a promising young player that I think they really like. So he's a $3,100 forward. Uh, so throw him kind of into the mix when you're considering Miranda, you're considering Alex. Um, all They're all pretty good options. Okay. Um, we had another Twitter question. Um, said for cash games, is it better? I'm sorry, for do you guys buy into the strategy of fading high price forwards for midfielders and defender crosses? Uh, this slate doesn't really give us a, a clear answer on that because Essentially, you're fading David Villa, and that's that's it. No one else is really all that expensive. But um, how do you guys? I, f- I feel like I usually see lineups with at least one high price forward. But uh, do you guys try to work around to get more, or do you do you try to get your points elsewhere, as opposed to having let's say two of the higher price forwards each week? Well, so far grabbing two high price forwards hasn't really paid off. You're kind of some guys are banking on goals, and I mean, like Javinko, you can get points all around. He's pretty safe, but I mean, like a BWP, a David Villa, even a Robbie Keane, you're kind of banking on a goal, and if you don't get one, your whole lineup's done because mm-hmm. you spend so much cash on them. Whereas, I don't think it's a bad tournament play at all to build a great foundation of crossing midfielders or you know ones that get points all kinds of ways. And then grab a cheap forward, like maybe a, I guess Sapong's not that cheap, but just a guy that's at the top of his offense, a Maxi or Rudy. Um, I think Jao Plata really was one of those guys at the beginning of the year. Um, Zardes was that guy this last weekend. Exactly. A lot of and, the winning lineups had him up there. Yep. Yep. So build a great foundation and then just hope that the forward you put in gets a goal because any forward could get a goal any given week except Kevin Doyle. <laughs> and um, and then you're good. So I, I like that strategy a lot. I I do fall um, – I get really tempted by just having guys with two goal upside like Akeen. Um, uh, Fernando Adi is a guy that I play a lot, and he can end up with two points if he doesn't do anything else. So I, I, I kind of get tempted by the upside. But, yeah, I think it's a great strategy to, to just great, get a great crossing foundation – and then just kind of gamble on your forwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For this yeah. slate, do you get, do you see yourself spending up 
in the midfield? Like, are you going to try to get Diaz, Castillo, and David Villa, basically? I mean, the the three highest price, and then try to work from there? Or do you guys find yourself uh, feeling a little more of the more balanced lineup? I don't think I'm going to have too much trouble this weekend um, kind of fitting in everybody I want. Uh, I don't really like Fabian Espindola this weekend. David Villa is a, a toss-up. He's not going to be in all of my lineups. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm i pretty confident I'll be able to get Diaz. I'll be able to get, excuse me, Chris Tierney is a guy I want a lot of. Yep. Um, and after that, there's so many cheap options because guys are just stepping in for the for the international break, guys, that um, I wouldn't even say you have to spend your whole salary cap. I mean, it's kind of, we've talked last season a lot, how I kind of like the differential play of, you know, spending a little bit less. You don't feel like you have to fill your team up because then your lineup's going to be extremely similar to everybody else who's working with the same cap. I like that. Excuse me. I think if you're wanting to squeeze in some of the higher-priced midfielders like the Diaz and and Castillo, um, I guess, you know, to uh, Acosta and Teixeira right there behind them, Pedro Morales, you could do it for sure because there's going to be a lot of value that opens up once these lineups start to drop and some of the uh, fill-ins for the international call-ups are kind of revealed, which I, on like on Vancouver, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if like Pamuta Kaz coming back. I don't even know what has been up with that guy, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think he's 2,800, so... If you want to roll a guy like that out just to free up some space, and I think it's fine. I mean, you might want to just keep an eye on the lineups and and kind of see where these guys are slotting into the to the starting lineup if they're playing on the wing or what. Like uh, Frederic Briant is one guy that could make his way into some lineups just because he's seems like one of those defenders that what if he's at center back then he's going to be picking up points across the board um, just through some of the defensive stats. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think if you want to play those higher price midfielders, you'll be able to. Um, I do think Villa is probably the top target on the slate just because of what we were talking about with New England's shakiness at the back earlier. Um, I kind of felt like he was ready for a big game against Orlando, and that didn't happen. So um who knows if we'll see it this weekend but i think on a three-game slate without giovinko he's got to be uh one of your top targets not named mauro diaz Mm -hmm. i'm sinking with the octavio rivero ship by the way i was just about to ask about it because we didn't really talk about him much i'm not really jumping off board as soon as i should be but i still i like him so much and i think blas perez starting last week alongside him really helped free octavio rivero up so he's gone though this week Blas Perez. Perez is gone. Yeah, I wasn't sure if he was gone or not, yeah. but okay. I'm glad you caught that. He was only four thousand. That would have been kind of a interesting little play. Yeah, I had but, him right into my lineup, and then yeah, and Kakuta Mane at forty nine hundred is a pretty good value as well. He should start on one of the wings, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so and Houston, I mean, Mane, I think usually lefts up at lines up on the left wing. Um, so he unfortunately doesn't get Demarcus Beasley, who I think he could torch. But <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm pretty sure he could torch uh, Jaleel Anibaba or Shannon Williams or whoever's on the opposite wing too. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Uh, I think that's all we have actually. So three three games doesn't give us a ton. 
Um, we will be having another podcast for the following weekend matches. There's a full slate uh, or almost a full slate there. I think we've got two teams that are off, but uh, if anybody has any questions for Skylar or JD, you probably don't want to ask me if you have those guys as options, but you can uh, just uh, drop them a question on the rankings page that we'll have up or um, you can get them on Twitter. JD's at DFS MLS and Skylar is at DraftKicks, and they're pretty good at, at responding, and, uh, you know, they're here to help, so definitely use them. And Guys, thank you for this again, and good luck this weekend. Good luck, everybody. Good luck, guys. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.